don't make any major life decisions mm. in 2020. Yeah. Like, this is probably not the year you should get a divorce or move states or you know, yeah. like, those, those big decisions <laughs> that might year. impact you. This is not the year. Hi, welcome to Change Out Loud, the podcast where change management intersects with everyday life. I'm Kara Sundar. And I'm Adnan Ali. And today we are talking about decision-making fatigue. I think it's a very relatable topic for all of our listeners, certainly for Kara and I. And, and just really, we want to dive in and talk about the real-world decision-making that many of us are facing and, and ways to really navigate around it in a way that doesn't exhaust our brain. Yeah, so let's just recognize at the forefront of this conversation, like we're in the middle of a pandemic that is impacting all kinds of decisions that we have to make as you know, protecting our health, our education of our children, just potentially which kinds of friends we're willing to be with right now and the risks that we wanna take. So it's like even just going to the grocery store not even thinking about the food you want to buy, but just, should I go? What, which one do I feel safest at? Should I wear a mask? It's just really taxing our brains in a way that I think we haven't as a whole society done in, in a, quite a while. And so I'm hearing again and again from my friends and people in my community, like just the sense of malaise. Like I don't even care anymore. I don't have any career goals anymore. Like I just want to get to tomorrow and I'm really sick of it being Groundhog Day. Right. So that's why I thought we could talk about this. Um, I know I'm facing it with decisions around schooling for my children in particular. It's not like a binary choice. We do this school, we do that school, but I have three kids. They all have different needs. They're in different schools and it's exhausting. And that's just one faction of my life. You know, I've also got this work life where I'm in a project that's constantly changing with different viewpoints. And every day there seems like there's new information and we <laughs> have to revisit old information. So it's just, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted from making decisions. So that's why it, I thought it was really important for us to talk about this, to mm -hmm. look at maybe the science behind it and some best practices that we can leverage without it feeling patronizing. Because let's be honest, nobody's can take like a week vacation at the beach right now. It's just right. probably not going to happen. And I don't want to say practice mindfulness because that just <laughs> feels like so patronizing. Patronizing and... I think many of us are practicing mindfulness and we're still struggling, right? right? Even with the <laughs> exactly. mindfulness, the decision-making, it can be overwhelming at times. And, and this is a real conversation on, well, how do we tackle some of these problems? I know we're all going. <laughs> and so I think let's first start talking about like the reality of this and that it's just hard, guys. I mean, I see you, our listeners, the fact that you're listening to a podcast start to finish, like, congratulations, you did it. Well done. Let's celebrate it. So first point is just celebrate the small wins. That might be you finish a load of laundry. That might be you return that phone call. Like, recognize that that took energy and it took decision making and you're doing a good job. <laughs> uh, the second 
mantra I have for myself, honestly, is grace. Like that's my word of the year, grace for myself, grace for others. If somebody's snappy in a meeting or if I'm snappy in a meeting, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's okay. You know, we're all going through something challenging. Try not to take it personally. Just try to wake up every morning and do your best. Because that's yeah. really all we can do anyways. Absolutely. And everyone's going through a different set of challenges. So Kara, it sounds like for you right now, one of the most immediate things is schooling and really yeah. the decisions around that. I can't personally relate to that struggle that you're going through, but I can certainly empathize with how overwhelming those types of decisions can be combined with the other decisions you probably have to make in any given day. Some of these challenges, recognizing that it's more of a one-off. 2020 is a one-off. It's not going to yeah, be a recurring right. theme. I got some great advice a few months ago. Don't make any major life decisions mm, in 2020. Yeah. Like, this is probably not the year you should get a divorce or move states or you know, yeah. like, those, those big decisions <laughs> that might impact you. This is not the year. Um, it is the year for a lot of ice cream and TV mm. and long walks alone. If you can find the time, um, just try to be really kind to yourself. Yeah. So I, I thought that would be a good place to level set before we start giving you tips and tricks because it's uh it might just be where you need to stop today. Yeah, and it's funny you say that. Um, I think originally we were going to do a topic on data-driven decision-making. And Mm -hmm. 2020 is a great example of that. If there's a data-driven model, I think 2020 might be the year you want to leave off or just study on its own as its own separate data Mm -hmm. set, not not as a part of the broader... Cultural change. Yes, yes, yes. It's definitely more of a one-off. Decision fatigue really came up from an Israeli study on parole judges. And so they found that the the judges were giving more favorable outcomes to parolees when they had recently had a meal. And as the day went on or the the time from break went on, they were giving less favorable outcomes. And so this wasn't tied to anything around the cases themselves or the individuals. And, and so these people were studying it around it's, you know, hangry is a real thing. And (laughs) yeah, and that's nodding. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's not just that it impacts your emotion, but just kind of willpower overall. And there have been a lot of studies since then on like, if you believe that willpower is a limited thing versus something that you can, you know, become better at, let's say like a marathon runner um, overcomes a lot of obstacles to be able to run farther. Um, But even if you take that aside, like taking care of your body and your physical energy is very much tied to decision-making ability and ability to take in a lot of different factors, I think is the point mm-hmm. that they, they were choosing to take the less, less risky um, choice in that case. Like if I parole you, then I can't ever take that back. But if I'm tired and I ha- don't really have the mental space to you know, think about all the factors. I'm just going to keep you where you are and deny you parole um, in order to, you know, I can always parole you later. Okay. And that's really, really sad when you think about it like that. But even in our personal lives, it's so much easier to reach for that 
fast food burger than it is to maybe go shopping for fresh ingredients mm-hmm. and then cook them. And there are huge societal impacts to this. But I think as individuals, when we think about showing up to work every day, showing up for our families, our loved ones, um, even workouts, you know, things that you've just committed to do for your mm-hmm. own betterment, um, making sure that you're properly fueled, properly rested as much as possible, that you're filling that tank, whatever that may mean, whether that's emotional, physical, it really relates back to our resilience topic mm-hmm. that we did with Amy a few weeks ago. That is a really important part that we wanted to honor here before we started diving into this specific article that we chose for today, because it's real decision fatigue is real. And, you know, we can give you some tips and tricks, like we said. Yeah. And and I I think we have an opportunity (laughs) to set ourselves up for success, right? So if we're going to go into our days, knowing that we're going to have all of these decisions to make, and they're not always easy decisions, let's set ourselves up for success. Let's be rested if we can. Let's have a meal. Even if it's a quick meal, grab a banana on the way out of the house or in the house, I should say. But, you know, really set yourself up for success and and recognize when maybe you do need more of that fuel because I completely have forgotten to eat sometimes. It is 2 or 3 p.m. and I haven't eaten a thing all day. I started my morning with coffee and just been drinking the coffee all day and Mm -hmm. and it hits you at 3 or 4 and you're like, my goodness, I haven't eaten anything all day. So just something as simple as stopping, taking a bite to eat. So let's dive into this article. We thought it had some really different kind of advice. And so this could be something you could consider if you are looking to find ways to make decisions, maybe with less taxing uh, implications. Right, right. Um, Hopefully with fewer decisions, right? So um, I'll just give our listeners some background. I was looking for other content related to data-driven decision-making. And what I found is there was a lot of investment that had to go into getting to a place where you could even start doing Mm -hmm. data-driven decision-making. There was a considerable effort in change management. It's like, gosh, I can't even make decisions without making a million other decisions. So how can we simplify the decision-making process a bit? And, And I came across this article in the Harvard Business Review. And I think the author had some really great points. And, and the first one being, just don't be so overconfident in how you think things will play out. So when you're evaluating a decision to make, we tend to be overconfident in how things are going to go. So um, many of us struggle and, and have this challenge where we had a prior experience and we just assume this next experience, experience is going to go exactly the same way, or we haven't taken into consideration all of the different factors that can really drive how things play out. And, and I think this is so relatable for change managers, right? Where maybe we have a, a sponsor that is set on, it's going to work this way, but we haven't done a full interview of all of the various stakeholders and their needs and what they're seeing on the ground. So we have an overconfident sponsor. Yeah, I love the idea of a learner's posture because I think if we are expecting ourselves to have the answer at all times for any kind of challenge, then it leads you to that decision fatigue Mm -hmm. where every decision seems to have such weight. And instead to be able to ask a question and say, I'm not sure what the answer is because I see this gap. What can we do to address that gap and be able to move forward? So I think that it just lowers the bar a little bit on 
how much energy it takes because it's, it's honestly easier to ask the right question mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than trying to analyze every piece of information you have to date and move forward in the super confident way because you're so sure it's going to play out a certain way. If 2020 has taught us anything, <laughs> it's that you can't predict and you can't be overconfident. So having that learner's posture is going to help everyone. Funny transition to uh, the second point that came up in the article, which was, quote, how often does that typically happen? (laughs) Question mark. That one really resonated for me. Oftentimes we think about all of these different scenarios and all of these different ways things can play out, but the reality is a lot of them are very unlikely. And yes, we should have some plans in place or have given some serious consideration to them, but they're not always going to be uh, an impact. And how do we not overwhelm our decision-making process by taking in too many variables. This is almost the other side of it. Exactly. How do we not overdo it at the same time? And that's what tends to happen, right? We never find Mm -hmm. that happy spot. I I find that either we're too quick to make a decision, we haven't thought about everything and we're overconfident Mm -hmm. or we're thinking about every single possible scenario. Analysis paralysis. The analysis paralysis, right? And and we never move forward. So how can we also edit our thoughts and really think, well, how likely is this? Right. It's almost like a a quick scenario planning, you know, like taking a scan of the horizon and saying, you know, do we really need to factor murder hornets into every (laughs) single plan for the next couple of years? Probably not. But do we need to factor in, you know, that we might have a minimized workforce in physical spaces? Mm -hmm. Yes. So those are the kinds of things, just a quick almost, I call it a horizon scan, but just a reality check almost of how likely is this to happen? What are we really looking at here? Just a little reality check. I think it's a great, a great comment. Leads us to the third point in the article and the third and the last point. This is why I love this article because it was just so short, so sweet. And I think these are all best practices we can implement um, immediately. Um, The third one was Speaking of scenarios, right, let's walk through a scenario path. Let's also then, if we want to add some science to it, let's look at probabilities. Mm-hmm. Good old-fashioned probabilities. I think we forget about probabilities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the first things we probably learned uh, in mathematics back in the day, and we don't really use it a whole lot. But really, how likely is an event? What numerical value can we assign to it? And, and these are fairly simple concepts to implement. I I know there's resources you can find online from the Khan Academy, as well as a number of YouTube, LinkedIn learning channels that can walk you through probability and how you can incorporate it into your decision-making. Yeah, one of my very favorites is something I learned when I was prepping for the SAT, which is if you can rule out one, then you know, the chances of another one being right is, is, you know, you've got better chance. Right. So simple. It's so simple. But when you're looking at a sea of possibilities, which is usually the case when we're talking about stakeholders and how things are going to happen, training plans, like it can get very, very complex. And we mm-hmm. try to boil the ocean essentially. But if we can say, well, we know these trainings, for example, aren't going to happen in person. Okay. Well, now that we know that, what's left web-based training, maybe some virtual training, maybe something online. Well, probably either any one of those three would be acceptable. So then it's just kind of a best guess uh, based on you know what you have at play. So that's a very 
simplistic idea of around what probability is, but just kind of understanding how you could make decisions and lean into those probabilities as pretty static. That way, it's not like you're revisiting the whole entirety (laughs) of the information that you have every single time, particularly as you're trying to progress the same project. Another tip that we didn't talk about from the article, but, you know, just asking for help. So for example, if you're working within a team and people often look to the change managers for like all kinds Mm. of things, right? And to be able to say, gosh, you know, that's not really in my wheelhouse or I'm not as close to that. Maybe you should ask so-and-so or I'd be happy to participate in a conversation that if you want to facilitate that, you know, that's the kind of thing that in our personal lives that might look like, hey, I'm just exhausted. Can you order us a pizza tonight? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, hey, friend, would you mind picking me up some toilet paper while you go out today? Because I just, you know, I can't get my act together to get to the grocery store. (laughs) These are just silly examples. But yeah, you know, we as individuals in 2020, like the individual trying to handle everything Mm. and we don't have those other sources, like maybe people who've been in your community and they're self-isolating now um, that you can lean on. So when you can for decision-making, that's a really easy tip, but also hard to implement if you're not used to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know many people that just struggle with asking for help and, and, mm-hmm. it, and also they might not even have the awareness that that's something that they struggle with. So I know yes. I have some friends who, who may need some help and, and you offer it and it's like, oh no, actually I, I don't need help. I'm okay. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, actually I think you do need help. I'm happy to help. I'm already doing it. What can I do to support you? And, and they're just not used to it, right? So right. Um, we often forget about this one. Of, Let's ask for help. It's perfectly fine to ask for help. And in a business context, help reminds me of really two things, empowering and delegation. Mm. So how can we delegate effectively, but also how can we empower our teams to make decisions on their own? So you don't have this bottleneck of decisions waiting for you. And that's just in the business context, right? So you might have a bottleneck of decisions to make at work, um, not even factoring in your home life and all of the things going on there. So any way that you can empower your teams, really get them to a place where they are self-sufficient, accountable, and driven to make their own decisions, I think that'll only set you up for success as well. That's right. I'm thinking particularly too of the temptation we have as project teams and change managers to have all the answers when we come out of the gate. I'm a huge fan if you can make time for it, which is hard, but for a big user acceptance testing period, which is letting people get in there, make mistakes, ask questions you don't even necessarily have answers to because there's no way that you can predict every question and make the perfect training plan. It's just not possible. So being able to have that humility, I guess, to say, hey, we've, we've given this our best shot. Why don't you come in and help us out and see if we've, if we've, you know, ticked and tied everything. I really am a fan of that, that the technical people don't love that because they have to work (laughs) faster, but. Hey, 
better to fix it in UAT than while it's in production. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because it's going to happen either way. Right. It's right. Someone really will is. find it regardless. So let's find That's it early. That's right. Exactly. And really my last point is kind of going back to the comment I made on grace being my word of the year for 2020. <laughs> if you do have guiding principles that you've set up either as a company, a team, a family, whatever the case may be, being able to lean into those when you are at a tough decision spot. I'm thinking back to the famous story of the Southwest founder, Southwest okay. Airlines in the US. It's one of the most beloved, um, but they're, they're cheap and they get you where you get, need to go. And so that is what the founder always went back to. They thought, well, our, our clients would be happier if maybe we served lunch on some of these flights. And he says, well, is this going to help us drive towards being this, the cheapest and the, you know, the go-to mm-hmm. carrier of choice for this particular route? Nope, we're not going to spend the money. Okay. So I think the really smart sponsors and founders of the world have been doing this for a long time. Oh, yeah. And it's something we can employ quite easily if we can all align on what are we trying to do here? How can we lean into that? If we're trying to get something out the door quickly, maybe going back to that training example, maybe training looks a lot different than if we've got time and resources to build this perfect plan. But either way, it's, it's going to work out. Right, right. <laughs> Unless you're a heart surgeon or something. I mean, this is software people. So... Let's keep that in mind too. What are our priorities? What can we go back to and lean into to, to guide us? But that at the end of the day, we're human yeah. beings. We have limitations. And the best thing we can do is try to be a productive member of our community and support one another to accomplish the things that are important. <laughs> That's such a good takeaway, Kara. Um, so I had a conversation with my sister recently and She's a doctor and she deals Mm -hmm. with a lot of patients, you know, on any given day. And she was just telling me about all of the different decisions that she made with Mm -hmm. a patient. And then I just remember telling her and reiterating, gosh, you know, I have the same amount of stress that you do with my decisions. And now I'm recognizing that really, I don't understand why I have the same amount of stress because your Mm. stress is very different. Your patient may very well die. (laughs) Something (laughs) terrible can happen if you make the wrong decision or overlook a decision. And Mm -hmm. here I am just, you know, making my little change management decisions here and there and it's stressing (laughs) me out, but it really put things into perspective. And, And we, we had a good laugh over it because it's so true, right? At the end of the day, you make the decision, it doesn't go well things will move Mm -hmm. on. You can always course correct. It will be okay. It's not going to be on your tombstone. No, no, it won't. Adnan's training plan failed. failed. It was awful. And that's what he'll be known for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think too, this leads us back to kind of this broader, like we're, we're human beings with interests inside and outside of work. And this may be the time where you want to pick up a hobby or join a protest movement or become involved with a nonprofit about Mm -hmm. something that you really care about. You know, I find that my perspective is just really limited because I'm at home and I go to work and I work on this one project mainly. Mm. And I just, don't have a lot of other factors in my life. So I'm looking into ways that I can, you know, 
just work another muscle in my brain. And I think that somehow is going to balance out, you know, being able to, to funnel some of this pent up energy that I have uh, just into something meaningful, I think would, would do my heart good. I think that's a really great idea. Um, I've been diving a lot into professional certifications. Mm. So Mm -hmm. I, I have quite a bit of free time these days and I was feeling antsy too, like, gosh, I just feel like I have more capacity. How can I fill this capacity? So I dove into cloud certification. So that's what I started doing. That's amazing. And, you know, I'm so happy I did because it's really keeping me engaged. I'm learning many new Mm -hmm. principles. I think that'll help me out in my career long term. But most Mm -hmm. importantly, I feel like I'm doing something productive with this extra capacity that I have, which I'm so fortunate to have because I know a lot of people don't have the extra capacity, but if you're feeling an itch, like there's more that you can mm-hmm. do. I, I think there's just so many great online resources and ways to engage that we could have never imagined that we would have. And then we have all of these great resources today. That's a great point, Adnan. Well, if you are struggling with decision-making, we'd love to hear from you, whether you have an idea or uh, a point that we maybe missed, please let us know on our website, um, changeoutloud.com. And, you know, post a review, rate us, let us know what you're thinking, guys. We, this is for you. And we're just talking about things we think are, are helpful and important. So, you know, let's, let's join the conversation. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks, everyone.